Welcome to a new sponsor, A.N. Weber Incorporated. Now in their 76th year, Weber has offices in Kankakee, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, El Paso, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Whether you're looking for company equipment to haul dry van or flatbed freight or logistic services for all types of freight or even a career in driving, maintenance, or sales, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235. You can also apply online at anweber.com. Weber has immediate openings for drivers in all areas and mechanical technicians in Kankakee, Illinois, and El Paso, Texas. Weber is also looking for logistics agents across the country. Again, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235 or apply online at anweber.com. Hi, folks, and welcome to the 37th edition of Weber's Whipping Post. Here, you'll hear the ramblings from a grumpy old guy in the twilight of a mediocre career. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen. This episode is entitled, Newsom's Choice is Not So Effin' Golden. Today, I'm going to talk about the government shutdown, Marjorie Taylor Greene, California masking, black holes, and other material before finishing with my latest opinion piece. This podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Core Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbonnet. Check out that amazing GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups, Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024, or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Hey folks, I hope this is sounding better I bought some new equipment and some sound deadening just to make this podcast seem a little bit more professional. I hope you like the new and improved version. As I told you right here in this very podcast last week, our esteemed congressmen and women, in dramatic fashion, waited until just hours before the government was going to shut down for a lack of budget. And then they kicked the damn can down the road 45 days where they can all do it over again in November. And then, to put a cherry on top, Speaker Kevin McCarthy got booted out of the Speaker's role, causing more turmoil and something they can all fight about, rather than getting anything done for us. This bullshit gets so old, and the media gobbles it up and regurgitates it back at us, nonstop, like the friggin' world is going to end. Then, they report on... And they show us the applause the narcissistic bastards give themselves for doing what they were going to do all along. This act did nothing to reduce the debt again. Sorry for the cursing, folks, but this really grinds my gears. Then, in a grade school attempt, the asshat Democrat from New York, Jamal Bowman, pulled the fire alarm in order to try to delay the vote. The self-avowed socialist son of a bitch from the North Bronx 
bragged the reason he did it was to prevent America, get this, from sliding back into slavery. This is the same asshat that calls anyone that disagrees with him a white supremacist. He exemplifies everything that is wrong with a woke society today, and he should be eliminated from the government. So he is going to be the winner of the first Weber's Whipping Post asshat of the month. By the way, North Carolina Representative Patrick Henry is the new temporary Speaker of the House. I was unable to find if he was a descendant to the Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death Patrick Henry, which probably indicates he's not. Did you see where Georgia Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene has introduced an amendment before the House to use the Holman Rule? By doing so, it would slash the salary of Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin to $1, down from his current salary of $221,000. Then, symbolically, the House passed it, knowing the Senate would never approve it. Political games aside, this is the kind of things Green does that gets her labeled a far-right-wing nut or conspiracy theorist. I looked her up on the internet to make sure I had her name right, and there it was by Wikipedia. She is far right and a conspiracy theorist. Then I thought, you know, I get emails from the founder of Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales, asking me for donations. To hell with him, he's a left-wing nutjob. There was no reason he had to include that description in her biography, but it was right there in the very first line. I thought Green's amendment was right on target. He and Mark Milley have done nothing but take our military down a woke rabbit hole. I just wish I knew how to hold the senator's feet to the fire on this matter. Well, another election season upon us. Candidates are out raising way too much money and shaking every hand in sight while telling us what a low life his opposition is. Given their lust for power to stay in office, the left is getting elections fixed by rolling out the COVID card again. The bowl of granola, known as California, where what ain't nuts is fruits, has already made mask mandates. Yep, they want to demand residents use a useless paper mask over their face. Maybe this time they should up the ante and tell everyone they need to wear a stew pot on their head just to see if the populace is dumb enough to fall for it. The Grand Poobah, an imperial wizard of health for Sonoma County, California, feeling an itch to tell somebody what to do, issued an order forcing healthcare workers to wear masks when treating patients. Never mind that there is no considerable surge in COVID infections or deaths in California. Her name, Dr. Karen, her, that's really her name, Smith, is forcing the issue from November through April of 2024. So I guess what we are supposed to get out of that is that the COVID is not a problem in October. It'll st the COVID is going to be a problem in November. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation poll, 52% of adults have said to pound sand when it comes to getting yet another new COVID shot. The other 46% were split between saying they definitely were going to get it and they will probably get it. As you can figure, most of them are Democrats. There was some good news in that 58% of the Democrats that are taking it serious as they will not be traveling or attending public gatherings. Folks, I'm a poster child for dying of COVID. I'm 66, pleasingly plump, and diabetic. 
and I am not getting another shot. I haven't felt the same since I got those shots, and I still got COVID. And here's a thought by my sister, who I don't quote very often, concerning the spate of gallbladder removals being connected to COVID and or the shot. Seems like now there's an epidemic of people lately needing their gallbladders yanked out, and I think she might just be on to something. Erica Lamberg of Fox News got my attention recently with an article stating, Black Holes Explained, Why There's Some of the Strangest Objects in Space. In her piece, she states, Black holes have such a strong gravitational force that not even light can escape it. This past week, astronomers captured the first evidence of a black hole spinning. Evidently, matter is pressed into a tiny space which takes place at the end of a star's life. Note that our sun is considered a star. Evidently, Albert Einstein predicted black holes all the way back in 1911 through his general theory of relativity. Please don't ask me to explain the general theory of relativity nor how that explains black holes. I'm not smart enough. But that wasn't the first time someone sort of brought up this subject going all the way back to John Michel in 1784. The Englishman said that if light was a stream of particles, which Isaac Newton had suggested, then they should be influenced by gravity. He called them dark stars. Hey, I got that explanation. Then, astronomers stated that our Milky Way galaxy could potentially have more than 100 million black holes. Good Lord, how are we going to prevent from falling into one? And what I want to know is what is on the other side of a black hole? Ever heard of the site Bolavip, B-O-L-A-V-I-P? Me neither. It's an Argentinian sports site. I guess when you have 1.9 million followers, you think you know something about rock bands. So they come out with an article called 25 Iconic Rock Bands That Shaped History. Well, you gotta know that got my attention. Their number one entry was ACDC. If that wasn't bad enough, they followed up by saying that ACDC became what the Sex Pistols would have become had they been more polished. The editors that come up with this cockamamie list must have all been born around 1990 and therefore are not competent to list influential rock bands. To round out their top five, they list in order Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica, and the Sex Pistols. My problem is that there will be people that actually believe this hogwash. Their first classic rocker is Deep Purple, listed at number seven. I suspect the only reason Deep Purple made this list was because some pimply-faced editor at Bovalip learned how to play the opening riff to smoke on the water. If I were to list influential rock bands, not necessarily my favorite, but influential nevertheless, seems it would start with the Rolling Stones, which is number eight on their list, and probably be next with the Beatles, which is number 24 on their, that kid's list. I have to think without them, there would be no classic rock as we know it. They also have Fleetwood Mac listed at number 11, and I would bet you they don't know that Fleet Mac was actually two different bands, the first version being a strictly blues outfit, and the second reincarnation was a pop rock band. Somebody should ask them which band they were referring to. Hey, I caught a headline that Governor Pritzker is asking other Illinois communities to house growing numbers of what he labels non-citizens. 
Of course, he doesn't call them what they are, illegals. He called them non-citizens. He's blaming Republican governors, overlooking the fact that he and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot made Illinois and Chicago sanctuary states and cities. So, if your Illinois community is willing to take in illegals, Pisker's going to send your city some Illinois taxpayer money, although he didn't say how much. Just know the man who tried to cheat on his real estate taxes by taking the toilets out of the mansion he bought next to his mansion wants to use our taxpayer money for illegal aliens. Hey, JB, use taxpayer money to bust their asses back to Washington, D.C. and Joe Biden's home state of Delaware. Then call it a day. You ever hear of Julianne Kopecki? Here's a strange story for you. In 1971, there she was, 17 years old, and she's sitting on a plane with her mother, traveling from Lima to Pucalpa in South America. I probably screwed that name up. Evidently, lightning hit the plane, and Julianne was sucked out of the plane while still strapped to her seat. She fell two miles into the Peruvian jungle, passing out as she entered into the trees. In the fall, she broke her collarbone. She unhooked herself from her seat and spent the next 11 days in the jungle trying to get out. Now, today, she's married, and she's known as Julianne Diller and is a mammologist specializing in bats. She currently serves as librarian at the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology in Munich. She has published two other books, and the government of Peru made her a Grand Officer of the Order of Merit for Distinguished Service. By the way, she had learned survival skills with her parents in the Amazon rainforest when she was only 14, which is what saved her life. There were 14 other passengers that survived the crash but died trying to get out of the forest. The guy that wrote the hit song My Boyfriend's Back, Bob Fellman, passed away last week at 83. He also wrote the hit Hang On Sloopy. R.I.P., Bob. Speaking of aging rockers, Aerosmith had to cancel their recent farewell tour indefinitely because of an injury to the voice of frontman Steven Tyler. The 75-year-old rocker not only damaged his vocal cords while singing, he also fractured his larynx. Now they're going to have to postpone their farewell tour, at least until 2024, or find someone that can sing like Tyler. Did you happen to catch the powder puff piece 60 Minutes did with attorney in general Merrick Garland last Sunday? What a crock. 60 Minutes Honcho sent Scott Pelley to lob softballs the size and texture of beach balls at Garland so he could lie to the nation. Garland, who will go down in history as the worst attorney general ever, is still pouting over not getting that Supreme Court nomination. Pelley lobbed both soft and leading questions, all that had the feeling of being rehearsed, as the two sat toe-to-toe playing footsie in some swanky office area on chairs that probably cost more than my entire dining room furniture. Garland does not see any difference in the way his minions are handling Trump, as they are Hunter Biden, as, according to him, justice is blind. Bull, would you also believe nothing was said about Joe Biden's payoffs from China and Ukraine? And notice I didn't say alleged payoffs either. Garland even choked up at one point when talking about his family and how much he endears democracy. 
A, the moron known as a judge and evidently a real estate appraiser extraordinaire, Arthur Ingoran, has now issued a gag order on all parties from engaging in attacks against court staff. In other words, the Democrat is all butthurt because Trump and the right have been stating that this judge doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. For the life of me, I don't see how gag orders are legal. What happened to freedom of the speech? Ngoran said his order came about due to a social media post disparaging a member of his staff. Want to bet that member was him? In all honesty, I guess Trump did make a post about a law clerk named Allison Greenfield, so I guess there is that. But the reason I use Ngoran and Moron in the same sentence other than the fact that it rhymes is over Ngoran's ridiculous evaluation of Trump's Mar-a-Lago mansion, which sits right in front of the Atlantic Ocean. I personally have been by there many times, folks, usually just to catch a glimpse of Ivanka or Melania. That's a joke. Actually, my mother lives about 15 miles north of Palm Beach, and we go there sometimes. The mansion, though, is impressive. Ingerin, another one of those New York judges, put the valuation of the property at $18 million. Real estate agents say the property is worth more than that, maybe up to a billion dollars. Trump's so-called expert even said it was worth $1.5 billion. Seems to me all the appraisals are way off their rockers. Industry experts claim the property is probably worth 300 million bucks. Last week, the judge, who was deciding the trial rather than a jury, ridiculously said the property was worth between 18 million and 27 million. So he sided with the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, rejecting Trump's evaluations, and that Trump was liable for fraud, revoked Trump's business licenses, and wants to fine him an absurd one quarter of a billion dollars. Oh, and that means his two sons, Don Jr. and Eric, can't do business there anymore either. This ridiculous criminal prosecution is exactly what James ran on when she was voted to be Attorney General. Her whole agenda was to go after one man. Who runs for elected office and gets elected just to chase one individual into jail? And then she gets a loony judge to sign on with her. I have no illusions that Trump may have inflated values of some of his properties or exaggerated some of the sizes as that practice is not that uncommon in business, especially when trying to get a loan. In fact, I'd be surprised if Trump hadn't. But a one-person vendetta, which this obviously is, is criminal. And there's no way Trump can get a fair trial in New York City or Washington, D.C., where conservatives are as rare as Chicago Bears victories. I predict that eventually these charges will be swatted away once it gets to honest judges. As it is, the Supreme Court recently denied hearing the case to keep Trump off the 2024 ballot, thus ending that travesty of justice. These asshat nominees going after Trump better pray he doesn't get elected, as their payback will be momentous. Judge Ingerant, you are nothing more than a political hack. There is now a woman playing college football, and she isn't a kicker. Haley Van Voorhees. A business major at Virginia's Shenandoah University started last Saturday at safety, the first ever woman to do so. Shenandoah beat Juanita College 48-7, and Haley even blitzed her quarterback on one occasion. She's only 5'6 and weighs 145 pounds. 
You know, I have four, soon to be five, granddaughters. I wonder if any of them are going to be football players. Hey, I'm delighted to announce my book, Romeo Way, is now available online. You can get it at the Archway Publishing Bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. It's now available in ebook for you Kindle readers, and I have books being sent to me as well. And hopefully by month's end, or year's end at least, it'll be out in audiobook, mostly for the truckers. By the way, for people that are not in my general vicinity, it would be cheaper to order from sites like Amazon for the free shipping. If I ship it, it'll be a 5 to $6 on top of the tax. This episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine? You can depend on George Ryan Jr. Insurance, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075. You can also look them up on their website and save on insurance. Just go to grinsure.com. That's grinsure.com. And now to my last week's commentary, Newsom's choice is not so effing golden. California Senator Dianne Feinstein's death last week was great fodder for the media machine, but highly inconvenient for the Democrats, and more particularly California Governor Gavin Newsom. Although I understand that as a politician, she was at one time considered a trailblazing pioneer. Fittingly, upon her death, accolades poured in from both sides of the political spectrum. Taking into account the accolades are coming from a politician's mouth, one must take their sentiments with a grain of salt. But nearly all remarked about what a nice lady she was. I personally lost all respect for her for the way she ambushed Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh at the last second during his court confirmation hearing. What she said and the way she did it was tantamount to everything wrong with American politics. I have a few other items I could mention, but I won't, as her death is not a time to tarnish her, and may she rest in peace. But her death is inconvenient for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. How, might you ask? Well, let me tell you. For starters, at the time I'm writing this piece, our esteemed political royal class is arguing about the budget and whether their bickering is going to lead to a government shutdown. Feinstein's death and the subsequent vacancy she leaves will surely be a distraction to the budget meat grinder as they all argue about who gets to spend our tax money. As it was, the Democrats had a slim lead in the Senate, 51 Democrats to 49 Republicans and the Republicans' subgroup called the Rhinos. Her death reduces the difference to just one vote, which is called razor thin. I'm not sure I buy into that logic as Democrats, unlike Republicans, always vote in one large block. It's rare that a Democrat politician strays from the flock without permission, fearing the wrath of Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. But razor thin is the term used by virtually everyone in the media. They must like the way it sounds. So, now all eyes are looking west to Governor Newsom as he has the task of naming a replacement to fill Feinstein's seat for the next year until an election is held. This means Newsom will have to take time out of not running for president, in case Biden does, to meet with top Democrat honchos to decide who they want to send. 
Surely you don't think that selection is going to be Newsom's alone. Newsom somewhat locked himself in before Feinstein's death when he shot off his mouth and committed to appointing a black woman if Feinstein were to pass or step down to due to declining health. Seems to me his duty to the citizens of California was to commit to hiring the best candidate as possible, regardless of race and regardless of gender. Uh, but what the hell do I know? I'm from Shabans. There are three people that had previously tossed their hat in the ring for the seat, Representatives Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. However, Schiff and Porter find themselves a little short on the gender and or pigmentation issue, which was part of Newsom's criteria, leaving only Lee in the category of black and woman. I have no idea if Newsom was trying to forewarn Schiff and Porter to back away from wanting appointed to the seat, but I doubt he gets shift to back off unless he were to do something to shut him up, like giving him, I don't know, San Diego? With Newsom campaigning for not running for president, if Joe does, can he afford an enemy like Schiff and every black voter in California? Ms. Lee is already calling foul. Newsom is probably going to want to drag his feet to placate the three California representatives, which would be diametrically opposed to what Chuck Schumer would want. Ironically, if or when Newsom makes the appointment, he will have had the distinction of appointing both of California's senators. When Kamala Harris giggled her way right into the vice presidency, she vacated her Senate seat, where she had the distinction of being the most liberal senator. In her place, Newsom elevated the California Secretary of State, Alex Padilla. Now here's an update. Newsom selected LaFonza Butler thus appointing both a black woman and a gay woman at the same time. Perhaps she will hook up with Joe Biden's twit mouthpiece, Karine Jean-Pierre, also gay and black. Butler is currently the president of Emily's List, an organization that works to elect Democratic women who support killing babies. She doesn't even live in California. She lives in Maryland. Well, you'd probably have to be from Illinois to value the title I used for this commentary. I, but I found it amusing. I know, I'm easily amused. If interested, look up former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich when it was his turn to replace Obama. He wound up in jail over it. That's all I got for you, folks. If you have any questions or comments, please direct them to aweber1957 at gmail, Weber with two Bs. If you would like to advertise on this podcast, and I hope I hear from some of you, you can also contact me at aweber at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. Bye.